This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. What I, I, I've discovered along the way is my mental strength. Mm-hmm. How I'm able to push through, even though I know my body mm-hmm. could not at that time, you know, injuries or, you know, but yeah. it's the mental, it's the mental strength and how much I really want it inside mm-hmm. carried me. Because I've always believed that, you know, if you want to achieve greatness, you got to have your mind, your body and your spirit connected. Yeah. It has to be connected to achieve great things. So what I'm able to do is, even if I'm not fighting, I will try to um, better my mental strength. Take this as a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So every day, it's it's overcoming something and, and making it a second nature for you. BFM 89.9, I'm Ahmad Fahd Rahman and you're listening to Night School, the show that explores concepts, theories and society. Uh, this week, we are taking an interesting turn into the world of fighting with Ayman Abu Bakar, the rising star of Malaysian boxing as his rapidly rising career attests to. We're going to talk about limitations today, particularly the importance of knowing them in order to go forward. And this is very counterintuitive for a liberal society where limitations uh, tended to be frowned upon. Right? We tend to think of self-development in terms of unbridled freedom. But the world of martial arts and particularly boxing would disagree, the claim being that knowing your limitations can actually take you further. So how do we think about this contradiction between knowing how far you can go in order to know how much further you can go. Uh, It's a very interesting conundrum, and uh, this is why we have him on the show. As far as I know, uh, you are currently the only professional boxer in Malaysia, is that correct? No, now it's it's slowly growing. Okay, okay. But there's only a handful of us, I would say 20, but it's building now in in Malaysia. Right, right. 20 isn't many for a sport, a global sport like uh, boxing, right? So why is that? One of the reasons is the sport of boxing is new here in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we had Muhammad Ali coming down here, but it didn't pick up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, but it's, it's slowly growing, I, I hope. Do you think uh, it picked up after the Pacquiao fight? Yes. Actually, when I started my professional career, there was only probably, I would say, one or two of us. Mm-hmm. But after I started and making lots of progress, I see a lot of boxers coming to the professional game mm-hmm. here in Malaysia. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's going to grow then, you think? Yeah. All right. So. Because it's a very, very peculiar choice, right? Because unlike a lot of other sports, it's a sport that requires you to take some damage. Yeah. Right? So tell us then, given that, you know, you're aware about that from the beginning, what made you attracted to it anyway? Well, one of the, one of the reasons is it is built the hardest sport in the world. Mm-hmm. So boxing, if you're looking for a challenge, and I'm the kind of person where I'm always after a big challenge, so I had this thing in mind that if I can achieve boxing, I can achieve anything after boxing, mm-hmm. besides boxing. A- anything that uh, doesn't involve getting hit in the face. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, it, it's the only sport where you can truly uh, measure yourself as a person, as mm-hmm. a man. So that's why I, I took up the sport. Because you have to open yourself up to the likelihood and possibility of injury at every given fight, right? And that's a very interesting mentality to have because for most of us, we avoid all possible pain, right? Yeah. And not just physical pain, but even emotional pain. But in general, uh, pain is this thing that we want as little of as possible. Yeah. Whereas, uh, obviously, in boxing, you want to protect yourself, you want to minimize damage, but you have to re- be ready to face pain at any given time when you fight. So that's a very interesting outlook. Do you remember the first time you got punched in the face? Uh, yeah, probably when I was... I don't know, eight maybe? Oh, okay. Eight, uh, when, I, when I was little. You know, so you had early fights. exposure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but believe me, you know, getting hit is not something I enjoy. Right, right. I, of course. I don't like course. getting hit in the face. Yeah. So, but the fact that um, knowing that you're in a sport where your opponent is there to knock you out, so you have to prepare yourself mentally. Mm-hmm prepare yourself for the big task ahead, you know, and just um, be in the best shape possible. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that preparation then, because there's only so much you can do to prepare for getting hit in the face. Because when you spar, you have those padded helmets on, right? And you can't go 100% when you spar too. So I imagine that when you fight and you do get hit in the face, it's not a familiar feeling. Yeah. So you only have that split second to know what to do or to know how to react, right? So tell us a little bit about how do you prepare for something that you can only know when it happens, you know? <laughs> so because uh, I find it interesting as, a, as somebody who does BJJ, we can spar without issues yeah. because you're just getting choked and then you can tap yeah. and then the choke ends, right? Uh, so we, we're always familiar with the situation. So I don't compete, but I do know friends who do compete. You know, they just say, just spar. You know, you can also uh, measure your sparring in the sense that you can have a heavier partner, a taller partner, uh, and then adjust accordingly, right? And then all you have to do is just tap, you know, when the choke comes. But you don't get that sort of precision when you train for boxing, right? So tell us a little bit about how does one prepare for getting punched in the face? You know, if today you're asking me, uh, Ayman, there's a fight uh, probably two weeks from now. Will you take it? I would say no, Hmm. I wouldn't. I'm not ready for a fight. I'm not in the right state of mind to be fighting in a ring. So preparation is key in this kind of sport. So usually training camp is a grueling, dark and brutal place. Mm -hmm. And training camp is something where it takes 8 to 12 weeks of training. Mm -hmm. So 8 to 12 weeks of training, you got to isolate yourself and all you do in training camp is eat, sleep, boxing. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing you do. So the idea of having a training camp is you leave your loved ones, you just isolate yourself with your team. So all you do is prepping your mind, mm-hmm. you know, activating the, the fighting spirit that, that you have, the inner fighting spirit that you have. So it's, it's easy for you to go in the gym and train and give it a hundred percent. Right. But try doing giving hundred percent for eight to twelve weeks, six times a week mm-hmm. of that same intensity. Right. Right. So, so that that is the hardest part. How many hours a day 
from that six times a week? Uh, two sessions a day and probably two and a half hours or three mm-hmm. uh, a day. And that includes strength training, strength conditioning, training, conditioning, everything, conditioning right? sparring. So that's the hard part, like getting up in the morning. And, right. and you know, you've already given 100%, like let's say yesterday. And right. today you need to give that same intensity for the next day. Yeah. So I always tell everyone that, you know, I survived training camp and then I'll, I'll be ready for the fight. Right. You know, by fight week, I'll be happily telling everyone that, you know, I'm ready for the fight. I just can't wait for the fight. Yeah. How about the few days before the fight? Do you still spar or no? Uh, no. Usually, uh, we stop sparring probably two weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks or eight days before the fight. Why is that? Uh, to reduce um, injuries such mm-hmm. as cuts. Right, right. Uh, yeah, cuts. Because uh, one thing about sparring is that we do wear headgears and we wear 16-ounce gloves, 14 to 16-ounce, big gloves. But we're sparring with world champions, mm-hmm, former mm-hmm. world champions. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, you know, it, it, it's difficult. And, and we change sparring partners mm-hmm. round by round. So you're always getting hurt in sparring. Actually. Right. I find it interesting, though, because you'd think that you would want some form of sparring closer to the date, right? So, so in the two weeks then, what do you do then with the two weeks before? You're just uh, sharpening your conditioning or what? Like, Yeah, usually like two weeks before the fight. Because training camp, it takes two months. So you don't want to overtrain. Right. So you got you to gotta take a step back. And two weeks prior to fight, is just light training. Losing the weight, cutting the weight. Because, um, you know, martial arts sports is a weight category uh, mm-hmm, sport. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, can't... Cutting weight is exhausting, right? Yeah, it's exhausting. It's yeah. the worst thing. <laughs> But actually, it's the first uh, first battle right. before you're stepping into the ring. Right, right. So, um, hard training, six weeks, eight weeks of hard training. So, two weeks before the fight, you just take a step back yeah. and just light training, mm-hmm. avoid injuries. I want to talk to you about the whole notion of limits uh, soon. But one last question is how, you know, there are a lot of unknowns when you do fight, right? Because like you said, you don't spar two weeks before. Yeah. And even when you do spar, you have to minimize contact to an extent, right? Because you can't uh, get too worn out through yeah. the sparring. So how much is the fight itself a form of like training or discovering? You know what I mean? Because you cannot replicate the fight situation or the fight scenario. So there's yeah. so much that's still unknown, right? Yeah. Or So let's just say... As you enter one fight, how many percent of knowledge is covered through the training and how, how much isn't? It's amazing. Like, like I said before, you know, you, before training camp, you asked me how I prepare I am for the fight. I'm not ready because I'm, I'm just a normal... Mentally, I'm not right. ready. I'm not right. there. But what's amazing is after, after 8 to 12 weeks of training camp, sparring is the closest thing to replicate a fight. Mm-hmm. But somehow, how you push yourself every single day, you sort of triggered something in your mind. Right, right. You know, that you feel sharp. Naturally, mm-hmm. you'll feel sharp. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you, your survival instinct takes over. So you feel sharp, your reflex are on point. It's very hard to explain, but usually a week before the fight, I'll feel it. I'll, I'll have a, those kind of uh, cat-like reflex. Right, right. That's interesting. So, okay, you've been fighting professionally since 2015, is it? Yeah. So in that time, how do you assess your limits, right? Because you've 
fought, that means your product, quote-unquote, is a bit worn. Mm. But through fighting, you also become more experienced. Yeah. Right? So there's a, there's a give and take there. So how do you know that you've pushed yourself as far as you can? Or how do you know how much further you can go? Like, every fight is a different scenario depending on your opponent's level, standard, style. So... You know, fighting, it's about knowing yourself, how much your body can tolerate and how much you can take. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you ask me, how do I train now as compared to my first professional fight? Uh, right now, it's, it's much more uh, intense. I've reached a whole new level in terms of limitations mm -hmm. because the more you progress, the bigger your training camp is. And when... The bigger your training camp is, uh, you're able to get in the best sparring partners out there mm -hmm. to work with you, the best coaches out there to guide you. Right. So um, in terms of limitation, it varies fight by fight, yeah. but it's going up, up, up. But don't you find that age is a problem? Because you're right, you do get more experience. Yeah. And you approach every fight with a lot more preparation as a result. But... You know, not everybody's Bernard Hopkins, you know. So yeah. at some point, maybe there's wear and tear, right? Or certain injuries keep coming back. So how do you mentally adjust at every given point that you realize that, oh, this is a reminder for my body to yeah. slow down. Here's a reminder for my body to not take hits at this part, you know. Uh, so tell us a bit about that adjustment process as you go on. It's like uh, when you're into uh, you're deep into this journey. It's like you already know yourself. Mm. You know what you can take and what you not take. So as age becomes a factor, you won't be training like a twenty five year old or right, a twenty right. year old. You'll be training smart, smart, economical, effective. You know, a fight is twelve rounds, so you wouldn't be in a gym f for three rounds. You know, mm -hmm, everything mm. is is calculated. Everything is planned out by your team. You're just doing things that needs to be done and it's enough for you to prepare mentally. Because mm -hmm. where you're much more experienced, but the wear and tear is there. It's mm -hmm. always will be there. But how you approach a fight, it's so much different. You move less, punches, and it's calculated. Mm -hmm. That's where the experience comes in. Uh, you're wiser. And when you're wiser, you're able to win the fight even before you, you step into the ring. Mm -hmm. Maybe you win it by psychological warfare, right. the mental itch. So those are the things where the younger fighters have to keep up when they're, they're fighting someone right. who has so much experience. And that's an interesting awareness to have, right? Because you have to constantly listen to your body, but at the same time know of ways to overcome it or to push it in a different way. So if yeah. I can't push myself in this regard I'll go easy here but then push myself in a different regard right and that sort of rediscovery of your strength is not something that a lot of other sports offer right? I mean I'm thinking about football the slightest touch you're rolling on the floor asking yes, for the yes. referee yeah, to yeah, send yeah. off the guy or whatever whereas boxing is very different granted there are fouls or whatever you can call the referee for that but ideally you do want to be as durable as possible right so I mean, that's, I don't know if I'll ever get there, so, but, but you are there. Uh, so I assume it's a very interesting place to be. You're listening to me, Ahmad Fuad Rahman, and Ayman Abu Bakar on this episode of Night School, where we talk about the importance of limitations. 
We'll be right back after this break on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is Night School, the show that explores concepts, theories and society. And we are talking about limitations, when to push, uh, when to wait and how to find them even. Joining us this week is Ayman Obaka, Malaysia's up-and-coming boxer. And uh, this is our discussion. In the first part of the show, you gave us a good context uh, as to the kind of preparations you've uh, required and how you deal with the changes of, of age and injury over time. Now, tell us about maybe the most challenging part of your fight career so far. Was there something in the ring that you discovered or that you had to struggle with that, that allowed you to reach the next level or, or made you reassess your approach where you really had to rethink uh, your limits? Well, I've gone through so many setbacks as well. Actually, this happened one year ago. I was preparing for my seventh professional fight in the Philippines. And one of my close friends is actually my teammate, same boxing stable. He passed away. He got into a coma from sparring. Wow, sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah so it was early on in camp for me. I was preparing for my seventh fight. That happened. Everyone in the whole gym who has a schedule coming up, they postponed their fight or some of them stopped boxing. But I was there. I went to the church. I gave my final goodbyes. But it was a hard thing for me knowing the fact that my friend got into a coma through boxing and I will be fighting in a professional fight in six weeks to come. Right. So that mental, it actually unlocked me uh, in a different place mentally. Like how do I overcome it? How do I, I just, you know, just, you know, move on and, and, and carry through. If, even though the atmosphere there wasn't uh, best suited for me. Because right, right. everyone was moaning, everyone yeah. was crying. You know, it's sad, but but I fought through. Right. So basically, your camp was affected too. It wasn't my camp, just you, right? My camp was affected. My trainers, the owners, the the media was there and mm-hmm. was telling that you know, you know, there's investigation. But I I told them I'm here for a reason. I'm here to fight. It's very sad, but I have to do what I'm set out to do. Yeah. So after the fight, November twenty fourth, I got the win. But that was the most relief I felt. Because I was fighting, I was not only preparing for training camp, surviving training camp, but I, but having the thought of yeah. you know of that, you know, boxing is no joke. Yeah, it's something where you can get hurt. Yeah, but what was the mindset like in the ring though? Because your morning, your camp's morning, your trainer's morning, uh, he's a friend of yours, but you still have to move on and take risks, right? So, did his loss in some way become a positive effect for you or did you just block that out when you fought? When um, it became like um, motivation as well Mm -hmm. because I knew that everything is up here. It's in my mind. So when you're in full uh, strife in training camp, you're in like two weeks out of three weeks out in training camp, you sort of have this tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. Tunnel vision where everything out there, you can just block it out. Right. And you know your purpose is there to fight for him, mm-hmm. you know, to fight for his family, to do it for him. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a motivation for me. Right, right. Yeah, so that, that was my mindset going into... 
But what's interesting is that it happened for him during sparring. Right? During sparring. Like, does that stuff happen? Uh, like those sorts of incidents? Yeah, that, that's why when, when I was um, telling you about training camp, mm-hmm. uh, that's why I mentioned that training camp is grueling and training camp is brutal. Mm-hmm. It's not those light sparrings where you, you usually know. Sparring is the closest thing to a fight. Right. So most professionals, they take sparring seriously. Sparring is a place where, you know, you, you tend to get hurt. Right, right. Uh, you're going full force. The difference is you're wearing headgears right, and right. gloves, bigger gloves. But they're still... Um, they still It's still risk. Right, and, right. and these professionals, they, they possess a, a killer punch. Right. <laughs> right. And as I understand it, every sparring round is a new partner, right? Because you, 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 want, you want to be pushed and tested. Yeah. Right? Because you don't want a tired sparring partner. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to the question of how that translates in the ring itself because how do you know your gas tank, right? Mm. Uh, and then I assume this was more intimidating in the beginning where, you know, you don't know what going 12 rounds might feel like, right? Don't know. So one, two, three, and four, you can kind of imagine, but then five and six, you're a bit worried, you know, and then after that, you don't know, right? So tell me about that process, like about learning in the ring itself. At what point do you realize you know, um, you can go further. You know what I mean? So I think it's easy to imagine when you can't go further, right? But it's more interesting to find out that you can. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, I'm I'm doing okay. And actually, I want to do more. Actually, I can step it up and actually even win this, right? So tell me about that mentality about pushing your limits in the moment itself. So, So that's why, like, you know, when you're in training, Preparation is everything. You need to be able to be prepared for anything, for the worst case scenario. So, number one, uh, you when you're running, you're doing your road work in the morning, probably you have to give it the extra three miles. Probably you've done all, but you have to give it uh, the few extra miles because these few extra miles will leave you with no doubt. Mm-hmm. You won't be questioning your work. Before the fight, going into the ring, you know in your mind that you've given everything you have in training. But how about the variables like the crowd, for example? You can't prepare for that, right? You walk out and then there's just 12,000 people, 20,000 people making noise. I mean, that requires a bit of adjustment, right? (laughs) (laughs) The amazing thing about about that is um, you have 12,000 people just watching you just you yeah, yeah. fighting. But over time, when you just gone through, you know, uh, you've gone through a very hard, grueling camp, all you see out there is your opponent. Mm-hmm. Every punch, everything. You, you only see him. Mm-hmm. And you're, you only listen to your trainer. Mm-hmm. You block out. That's where the tunnel uh, vision comes. Right. You only see him. You block out all the noise. The only person you can hear is your cornerman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So sometimes most boxers they fight uh, with the um, pace of the crowd. You know, the more the crowd is cheering, the more he wants to give. Right. Right. But that's always not the best case. Mm-hmm. You know, to entertain the crowd. So it's just you and him. And I think. Tunnel vision just comes through training. Yeah. You're able to block out yeah. block out the uh, 
the noise out. Mike Tyson has this really interesting quote, which I'm sure you know. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Right? Yes, yes. So, like, I get it that you've trained, but tell me about the times when you, you felt, you know, like, you encountered something you didn't prepare for, yeah. you know, and then you had to keep pushing yourself, you know. Because in the ring, people... I mean, I, I get it that you can push yourself during sparring, yeah. right? But in the ring itself, you just get hit by an uppercut or something. I mean, Exactly. <laughs> you know, your days, your legs are a bit weak. Then you have to kind of find yourself again, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, like, like I said, you know, like, talking about limitations and testing yourself, you can't plan for that, mm-hmm. right? So you can only know what you really have inside when you push, when you really push, when you're put in a difficult situation, that's where you find yourself. Yeah. That's where you know what you're all about. Interesting. Uh, that's where the courage comes in. That's where uh, something inside of you is, is, is taking over, you know, that, that fighting spirit. So that, that fighting spirit, that inner fighting spirit is what we were talking about before. It's like during repetition, prepping, training camp, it's basically just to ignite that. Yeah, you know, what do you think has been the most profound transformation about you that you discovered along the way? Because what I'm getting from what you describe is that it's a real journey of, like you said, discovering things about you you didn't realize. Right? Not everybody is born to survive that sort of training camp. Right? Not everybody's born to survive getting hit. Yeah. Right? So. A lot of it, it seems to me, depends on a certain type of character to get through that. I mean, do you feel that you've always had this in you? Or do you feel that this is something that you learned about yourself only as you got into boxing? What I, I, I've discovered along the way is my mental strength. Mm-hmm. How I'm able to push through, even though I know my body mm-hmm. could not at that time, you know, injuries or you know but yeah. it's the mental is the mental strength and how much I really want it inside mm-hmm. carried me because I've always believed that you know if you want to achieve greatness you gotta have your mind your body and your spirit connected yeah. it has to be connected to achieve great things so what I'm able to do is even if I'm not fighting I will try to um, better my mental strength take this as a lifestyle yeah yeah so every day it's it's overcoming something and and making it a second nature for you mm-hmm. yeah. i think it's important that we all arrive to that point where we're vulnerable and we are endangered right in, in a sense where for jiu-jitsu at any given training you'll be on the floor wrapped around somebody who's going to choke you. Yeah. And if it's the first or second time you experience it's the scariest thing ever. Yeah. Then you realize as you do it more and more, you know, you're, you panic less, right? You learn how to be comfortable so that you can think clearer. And event- at some point, you kind of even like it because it gives you a chance to kind of push yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. weird, but, yeah. you know, I assume in boxing it's sort of the same, right? When I'm sure there was that moment when you're scared. But then you, at some point, after going through enough times, you realize, I don't have to be scared. And then after that, you can even think of ways to, to even overcome it, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the richest exposure to the possibilities of being stronger, right? That martial arts offer, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that you can always grow through these difficulties, right? Because when we talk about it, 
uh, we talk about life, we always talk about life's hardships and always it's it's always abstract. Yes. But in fighting, it's in it's, your face. It's in your face. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you're you're in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Under pressure. But what do you what do you do when you're when you're hurt? Yeah. You know when when you the choices you make. Yeah. You know at that tenth of a second. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. You can't hide. You can't hide. Yeah. What you what you can or can't do is seen there. Right? Yeah. 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 Like uh, boxing is the only is is the sport where you're exposed. Mm-hmm. You know, you're exposed um, character wise. You know, uh, that's where you're most vulnerable when you're hurt. What do you do when you're hurt? Mm-hmm. You know, like some people just uh, wave a white towel mm-hmm. and call it a day. Some people fight through it, find themselves, find ways to uh, weather the storm. Mm-hmm. All of those things is the character in you. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing about this kind of sport is all is the mental aspect of it. Yeah. It's the mindset. It's all it's all mental. Yeah. 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 And that's where I think uh, having good trainers, having family support is important, right? Because yeah. once that's out of the way, you can actually focus. On, yeah. on recovery because I'm sure they're worried about you too eh, right eh, eh, yeah <laughs> so yeah. I mean that's another discussion maybe like you know about yeah. how family members try to cope with yeah. that worry right because I'm sure that's an ongoing discussion right because they want you to set limits to a different level than you have the limits for yourself right yeah so um, yeah so for those of for those who are listening who were maybe like intimidated by boxing what you know what concluding thoughts do you have for them well, bo- boxing is not something where you just see two men stepping in the ring and, and throwing punches right. and trying to kill each other. No, <laughs> there's more to it. Uh, boxing, they call it a sweet science. It's hit and not get hit. There's the whole science behind it. It's about how do you show superiority you know, against your opponent. Uh, there's many aspects to it. How, you know, just um, have a look go deeper in the sport of boxing and and you will find something so much beautiful yes it's violent it's violent but it's beautiful yeah and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i think like what you said earlier it's a metaphor for life as well yeah. right because i think we're all fighting something yes right and in some ways emotional damages could be worse than physical damages right so because physical damages are visible uh, they're tangible yeah. and you can measure the healing yeah. in ways that emotional damages can't, right? They're very different. They take a very different place in our minds. So um, one can argue that martial arts and boxing offer a way to experience that in a more real way, yeah. right? That how do you deal with hurt and how do you overcome it yeah. is a tactile experience. You feel it, you yeah. know? That's how I think about fighting anyway, right? Because if we're always battling something, Anyway, might as well like have an avenue to do it for real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and now it's... nowadays fighting has become very mainstream, right? Uh, nowadays even like uh, standard gyms, like the boxing movements are part of workouts now. So maybe uh, boxing will grow as well here as a result. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a sport where it's always been there since the eighteen hundreds. So boxing, there's always uh, will have a demand for it in Malaysia. I think we just need an icon, someone to spearhead well, the campaign. <laughs> That's where you can step in. <laughs> <laughs> but but I trust uh, in boxing. There's always a market for it, and Malaysia will jump into the sport. Yeah, well, soon enough. 
Yeah. Um, we need trash talkers though, because that's how you market things now <laughs> when in boxing, right? Um, because one of the things, one of the reasons why boxing exploded in ways that maybe kickboxing didn't, right? Uh, it's because you had all these iconic characters, right? Mama Ali, Mike Tyson, they can like, you know, they're fun to watch fight, but when they talk, it's also interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then again, you know, this whole debate on whether or not that should happen, or, but maybe that, that's a whole other discussion. But thanks again, Ayman Abubakar, for sharing your experiences and knowledge with us. Uh, do you have um, social media that our listeners can, you know, uh, look up and follow? Yes, uh, do follow me on Instagram, Ayman1515. Yeah, and so... I'm very active on Instagram. You can get most of my updates there, upcoming fights and what I do. Do check it out. There you have it, my discussion with Ayman Abu Bakar. You can email the show uh, with your comments and questions at uh, bfmnightschool uh, at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook to start Night School on the search space and uh, download our app too on uh, Google Play and the Apple App Store. I'm Ahmad Fawad Rahmat and this is Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.